You're listening to WAMTAS, the only podcast on the internet that takes comedy seriously. Thanks for listening to WAMTAS. Hey, hey, and welcome to WAMTAS. Of course, I am your host, Waffles, and we will be talking about the truest of crimes, but not only the truest of crimes, but the truest of murder mystery crimes. That's right, it's a murder mystery episode. <laughs> Who did it? Was it the butler? Maybe. We should talk to the butler now. Butler, did you do it? The butler is shaking his head adamantly, thus the mystery grows. Hi and welcome to the show. We are, of course, talking about true crime and murder mysteries. Did you do it, dear listener? Are you the secret shadowy cabal at the heart of all this, committing all of these murder mysteries and murder peopling in mysterious manners? Would do you like to take out a knife or a bit of poison or a gun or an explosion or, or I don't know, maybe even just wait silently in the corner while you're victim ages and ages and ages and then an aneurysm takes them out for you and you can be smug in the satisfaction that you didn't even have to lift a finger you didn't have to do anything at all all you needed to do was outlive your victim and old age would do the deed for you and when the police come and they investigate the body and they're like this body was very very old it must have died of a heart aneurysm or some other complication due to aging and you can at this smug in the corner thinking, hmm, they've got no evidence ever to suspect the fact that it was I, I, the listener, the one listening to this right now, that of course allowed the victim to get very, very old. In fact, when other people tried to murder the victim by giving them a knife or some poison or, I don't know, any other means of, of murderizing of, of the victim, or when, of course, the victim tried to take themselves out by getting cancer, you, of course, administered the chemo and kept them alive, alive and long enough that old age would do it for you. Thus, you, of course, were really the one that murdered them, and the police have no evidence ever to suspect you. And, of course, even if they did suspect you, how would they go about proving it? They couldn't take you to court and be like, Mr. Lawyer, or Mrs. Lawyer, or whatever else, non-gender conforming lawyer I would like to announce the evidence that this this hair this hair person or nondescript entity was the one in fact that did the murdering by allowing the victim to die of old age it's the perfect crime so if you are thinking of committing a crime and of course this is not legal advice or illegal advice of any description uh, so if you are a lawyer listening to this please stop listening now unless of course you're a very cool groovy lawyer in which case whatever man do whatever you want uh, but so anyways if you are in the courtroom and this is happening to you and you're being accused of allowing somebody to die of old age all you need to do is say check the telomeres do it I'll wait. Give them an autopsy. Check the telomeres and see that, in fact, they did not have any, as they ran out of telomeres, and thus, when you run out of telomeres, you run out of life. And thus, the victim did not merely die of old age, they ran out of life in a very natural and organic and free-range manner. In fact, this, this entire death was very eco-friendly and very considerate onto the environment as well. And so now you've got all of the, the hippies and the lefties and the greenies and all the rest of them, they're on your side as well, and they're not going to allow you to go to prison because, of course, you killed them. I mean, did not even murder them. You did not even have to lift a finger. It was very economic, very, very uh, efficient of you to allow them to die of old age. And when they are, of course, dead of old age. No one can prove it. And you can sit there smug in the satisfaction that you've just got away with the perfect murder. 
Another way, of course, you can get away with murder, and this seems to be what the episode is about now. If you want to get away with murder, here's some murder advice for you. Hashtag not legal advice or illegal advice. This is indeed a comedy podcast. Ha ha, look at that. I laughed. It was a joke. So any lawyers or judges or prosecutors or police persons or whatever else, other types of legal entities that are listening to this, politicians, prime ministers, in fact, hello and welcome. If you are listening to this and thinking, hmm, this person's trying to give away free murder advice, I'm, I'm not. This is all meant to be for the funny jokes. Ha ha. Ha ha. All right, cool. Now that they're all gone, let's do some more totally legitimate murder advice on how to get away with murder. Prophylactics. Yes. Condoms and, and, and the like. Right? Give this to people. And then, when they do the deed, you, you know, the... The bumping uglies and whatnot. The person won't be born, because of course the, or the stuff. Ask your parents. Will will of course uh, not not occur, and thus, they were never born, and thus they could never have been murdered in the first place. Think about that, eh? Eh? Yeah. Victim didn't exist. You couldn't have murdered them. Case closed. Ding ding. You're free to go. You're innocent. All you did was innocently sell them prophylactics. First step, become a chemist. Second step, get a job at a pharmacy. Third step, stock the prophylactics in a very alluring manner. I don't know, put a sign up, something like that. Get some sexy individuals to to model for you and get some signage and have, I don't know, a very attractive person holding the prophylactics in a very suggestive manner. People will come in looking for their cold and cough medicines and inoculations and whatever, and they shall see the advertisements for a prophylactic, and they think, hmm, yes, I do enjoy doing the deed, however, I do not enjoy the aftermath. I, of course, also want to avoid any of those nasty STDs that have been going around lately. Hmm, very nasty, very nasty. I do not want those at all, so I shall indeed buy a prophylactic. Now, with prophylactic in hand, I shall go along and roger the living hell out of my partner or spouse or romantically involved individual that I have in my life, totally, yes. And then when that is done, they shall finish the deed and dispose of the prophylactic in a very safe and environmentally considerate manner, and you shall sit there, behind the counter, thinking, huh, my evil scheme is working and nobody suspects me. And if any of the local constabulary do come in and start suspecting you of the crime of murder, you can, of course, say, of course, no, officer. Might I offer you a free prophylactic for your trouble? And the officer will be, of course, delighted to have a free prophylactic, as, of course, you have priced them very sinisterly. Very sinister price at all. It is, of course, more than double the price of other prophylactics on the market, but your prophylactics come with the free sense of getting away with murder. And that is a price, you know. A price the public must pay. I would price them around nine ninety-five. Very sinister indeed. So when you do give away the free prophylactic to the local constabulary, they will be very grateful. Very grateful indeed. And you shall sit there smugly behind the counter, selling your cold and cough medicines, with not a guilty conscience in sight. You devious little thing, you. You're going about committing the perfect murder without anybody suspecting it at all. Nobody would ever suspect the local pharmacist. No. Why? Why are there no murders happening in this town? 
why does this town have the safest murder race out of any town in the county? And you shall sit there knowing, knowing your dirty little secret, knowing that you are indeed the most prolific murderer ever to have murdered ever, anyone ever. And of course, all those people coming in, slowly aging, getting older and older, and you sit there smugly as you sell them their vitamins and their cold and cough medications, knowing that one day the Grim Reaper will catch up with them. The Grim Reaper, who is, of course, a good friend of yours, as you are the most prolific murderer in the entire town, and nobody suspects it. Nobody suspects the chemist. Nobody at all. Unless, of course, there is another chemist there, in which case you must do away with them, as, of course, no town can be big enough for two chemists. That would be preposterous, absolutely ridiculous. What if they start selling prophylactics as well? <gasps> then you've got a contender on your hand, and you must do away with this individual. But you cannot wait for time to exist. You cannot wait for the old age to catch up with them. And, of course, it is already too, full, too late to sell their parents' prophylactics. You don't have a time machine or anything like that. That would be ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. Hmm, how must you do about this? How must you take the life of this other chemist? Hmm, you must think. You must be devious. You must be sneaky, 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 sneaky. So, what you do is you befriend the other chemist. You come up to them, and you start talking to them about something that you both enjoy. Hmm? Chemistry, perhaps? How how one uh, goes about selling prophylactics, perhaps? Hmm? It turns out you have quite a lot in common. Quite a lot in common, indeed. In fact, you might see yourself becoming friends with this person, if they were not your rival, if they were not the most devious person that you've ever met, outside of yourself. Hmm? This will be a tricky one indeed, as they, of course, have a personality to match. They're delightful. They invite you to a dinner party. You go. You think, hmm, their crusted squid is not as good as your crusted squid, but the tea they brew is just absolutely, hmm, absolutely to die for. Oh, no, you've fallen for their trap. As you were trying to murder them, they were also trying to murder you. The tea that they have given you tastes like almonds. You're allergic to almonds. How did they know this? <gasps> Turns out that they were your chemist this entire time, that you've been going to them for allergy medication for years, as the doctor, of course, has been prescribing allergy medications because you love almonds, but you're so allergic to them. But yet, every day after work, you would buy a nut bar from a friendly nut seller that would, of course, insist on giving you almonds, even though you've told them that you are indeed allergic to almonds. It all makes sense now. The, the, the nut seller... That looks like the chemist, but with a mustache. But the chemist doesn't have a mustache. But the almond seller does have a mustache. That's right. The almond seller and the mustache person, they're the same person. But who is this mustache? Who is this mysterious mustache? Why? The mustache was their cousin. Their cousin the mustache. Mickey the mustache. You know Mickey the mustache. You went to school with Mickey the mustache. You and Mickey the mustache used to go and hide berries after school in the playground. Nobody would ever suspect that all the berry bushes growing in the playground were because of you and Mickey the mustache growing berries in your free time. As you are not also a chemist, you are also a herbologist selling berries as a hobby. But of course Mickey the mustache would always have a thing for nuts. You would do the berries, he would be the nuts. Hmm, what a pair you two made. And then one day he mysteriously disappeared. After after graduating from college, you became a chemist. You never heard of Mickey the Mustache again until you met the friendly almond seller. Of course, looked like the chemist, but they had Mickey the Mustache growing 
growing on their top lip. You thought it was very strange that a that a that a nut seller would have a fully grown man on their top lip, but you know it seemed to be the fashion at the time. Everybody was doing it. You had a fully grown man called Dave growing on your top lip. Dave was very fashionable. Everybody was jealous of Dave, but somehow Mickey the Mustache was just yet more more formidable, more stylish. But as you stare into the tea, you realize that it is not tea at all. It was in fact. A mustache brew. You'd been drinking Mickey the Mustache this entire time. You were allergic to Mickey the Mustache, but unlike almonds, there was no medication for Mickey the Mustache allergies. Almond allergies were very easy to deal with. You were so distracted by the fact that you were allergic to almonds that you forgot that you were allergic to Mickey the Mustaches, especially in their liquid form, especially if they had been brewed into a lovely cup of tea, which would, of course, have been covered by almond essence to make it smell like almonds, so you'd assume that you were allergic to it all, all the time and not drink it. However, in your hubris, you forgot all this, and you drank the tea anyways, and now you had Mickey the Mustache coursing through your veins. Oh no, what were you going to do? What were you going to do about it? Well, what you're going to do about it is you're going to get a blood transfusion. That's right, you're going to go down to the local blood bank and hold it up and say, give me 20 gallons of your finest blood, or I shall, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I haven't really thought that far ahead. And of course, because of your lack of planning, they will be completely taken by surprise. They knew how to deal with somebody who had planned, but you, because you had not planned anything at all, you had just gone in there and started demanding blood. They will, of course, give you a blood transfusion, take all your poison blood out of your body, and replace it with fresh, healthy, non-Mickey the Mustache blood. But now you have all of your old blood, all of your old blood in a bag, and you will wait. You will wait for your arrival. Wait for the arrival to need a blood transfusion because I don't know you gave them syphilis or, or something because you rotted them silly without using a prophylactic and now you both have syphilis but that's against the whatever ignore that forget about that just whatever but now they need a blood transfusion because of reasons either that or you just think hey you know what we should do a couple of chums a couple of pals a couple of, uh, of of grown people that like talking about our feelings we should go and get matching blood transfusions together. It's all the rage. I hear it's what all the young people are doing. They're, you know, going to their parties and their raves and they're getting blood transfusions because of all the free blood that everybody just has lying around because of reasons? Question mark, question mark, question mark. But either way, you, you and your friend, you go and you get blood transfusions together because it's the hip, cool thing to do. And when you're getting the blood transfusions, you're like, look over there. And then when your friend, the chemist, looks, you switch out their blood bags with the poisoned Mickey the Mustache blood. Mo-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. They would not ever suspect this, as, of course, you, you, you're being so cunning and sinister that they would, of course, not suspect the fact that you would ever switch out their blood with the mustache blood. It's so now there you are, getting blood transfusions together, like the cool chums that you are, and yet you know that it's not a blood that's going to be coursing through their veins, but liquefied Mickey the Mustache. Mickey the Mustache, the most toxic person you'd ever met. But yet, you feel guilty. You feel guilty that this fellow chemist, the, the only other person in town that you could ever talk about things like the latest in pharmaceuticals and pills and other such things, and the breakthroughs in prophylactics, and how there is now, of course, antiphylactics, which get people super pregnant and might also be, you know, 
increasing the birth rate of the town and that you know that's an interesting thing you a lot more children coming through the chemistry and the pharmacy than you usually would in the, all the golden cough medications that you're selling and suddenly you're caught in this guilt you're feeling guilty about having to murder your friend the only other chemist in town that doesn't know that secretly you have been the sinister secret mystery murderer but also they were also the secret mystery murderer and perhaps you could talk to them about this, that they might understand your feelings and what you were going through. And so you look and you go to swap the blood bag back. But then you realize that you had not swapped their blood bag, but your own. And Mickey the Mustache was pouring through your blood this whole time. You had only had minutes to live. And as you're both getting blood transfusions, you look, you look at your friend. But you realize, you realize that they had taken the drip out of your arm and ejected it into theirs instead. They had known, known all along, that you had planned to swap the blags, and they had seen you swap the blags. But then, when they had very cunningly said, look over there, and you had looked, because you trusted them, they were your friend. They had swapped the drips, and they were taking all of the Mickey the Mustache themselves. Then you realized, maybe they weren't allergic to Mickey the Mustache. Maybe that wasn't only a you thing. And then, when the nurse comes to give you your your tea and crumpets, as you had requested, this was not a blood transfusion at all. This was a blood donation. You weren't actually getting any blood, you were giving it. Because actually, you're not a mystery murderer. You're one of the most kind-hearted people in the entire town. And that actually, you hadn't killed anybody. You had actually allowed them all to live happy, satisfied, fulfilled lives. That you and the other chemist had gotten along and maybe had developed deep and meaningful friendship. More deep and meaningful than you would ever know. And then you stabbed them with a knife because they'd never suspected it. <laughs> as you were, of course, the cunning evil mystery murderer the entire time. And then, as their body is lying dead on the floor, you scamper away like the little scamp that you are, thinking nobody would ever catch me who would ever suspect the chemist. And so anyways, that is how you get away with murder. Because that's what the episode was about. Uh, so, so if you're planning your own murder and you do get caught and anyone's just like, where did you where did you learn all this stuff about how to get away with murder? Remember, this is just a comedy podcast. Ha ha! Parody! We can get away with anything. And so when you're in front of the judge, just yell parody at them until they let you go. It works 100% of the time. And I would know because secretly... It was, it was me. I was the chemist the entire time. And now a shout out to the accomplices. I mean, Patreons. A big shout out to Brad from the Fate of Ison podcast. Jasha Drake. Violet. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Sam Sara. And Michelle Gersh. You're all totally innocent in my books, and if you ever need an alibi, you know where to find me.